Hi, and welcome to Respawn Aim Fire, the kick-ass irreverent gaming podcast where three lifelong friends gather to talk about video games. I'm Holden. I'm here with Chad. What's up? And you're you, and that's why we love you. Mm. We have a pretty cool show this week. We're going to be talking about um, surprise mechanics. <laughs> surprise mechanics. What a stupid guy. Surprise. We're, talking, we're going to be breaking down Digital Foundry's analysis of the Project Scarlet uh, announcement. And we got a bunch of fetch quest stuff. Before we get to that, though, uh, there's actually some pretty prominent rumors about the Nintendo Switch Mini, which <gasps> I've been hearing so, so, so much about lately. Um, Do you think it has a handle on it, like the GameCube, so you can take it places? <laughs> <laughs> probably. Prob- oh! Most most likely. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so there are things about this that uh, I'm all about, and it seems great. There are things about it that don't seem so... Uh, they, some of the stuff seems a little photoshopped, but some of it actually seems very legitimate. Yeah. So starting off, a Chinese accessory company that was founded in 2004, Hansen, they posted 11 different accessories for the Nintendo Switch Mini, which is how they dub it. And that actually included some renders of, of the device itself. Um, I think some of those pictures looked a little photoshopped. Just so There's everyone's specifically... not confused. Sorry. This Yo, is yeah. Hansen, not Hansen, the Mbop band. Uh, this is Hanson, H O N S O N. Very easy. Uh, yes, both Chinese. I, I totally get it. <laughs> so yeah, there's basically two different like renders that are going around. One is of a. It basically looks like a like a gray Joy-Con all around. Yeah, the Switch. It just looks like a, J- a gray Joy-Con. They're built into the into the uh, device itself. The other one, that one to me looks photoshopped. The other one looks cooler, and it's basically this all black design. Looks a little bit more like glossy. Do you see this one? I don't know if I've seen that one. Yeah, so that's the one that's usually with the clear transparent. Ah, yeah, yes. that one looks. I think that one looks better. It looks less like someone photoshopped something and more like. A product render so that one seems a little more legit to me but it does look different enough than a switch that i it, it really might not be it i think it's very it's very possible that this really will just look like joy cons attached to a screen built to take in all into one yeah as opposed to separated uh, joy cons here's the thing um, they by the same by the way just i yeah. mean the same plastic materials the joy con that's what i'm talking about right um they they are both definitely photoshops I don't believe yeah. I don't believe that they would have these renders. I mean, they're making these cases and things like that. I assume, like when iPhone cases leak like three weeks ahead of an iPhone release or sometimes several months ahead of an iPhone release, mm-hmm. it's based on like rough schematics that they're selling these things. So yeah. I think that this is definitely... I think the accessories might be real. I think the console is probably real and they are... They have someone making a mock-up of the product the best that they can based on the schematics they've been given. Yeah, so this is actually... They have an official uh, um, comment that they released on a YouTube video that shows off these accessories. And they said, This time we have tracked and analyzed all the picture information about Switch Mini in domestic and international media. And then, with professional perspective and detailed product research, we have launched several accessories for the Nintendo Switch Mini, like carry bag, screen protector, and crystal case. Maybe you still have doubt for this, but leading one step ahead means seize business opportunities. I think they meant means <laughs> seizing business opportunities, but that's exactly how they said it verbatim. Ancient Chinese prophecy. <laughs> leading one step ahead means seize business opportunities. I'm thinking it's ancient just a Chinese secret. That's what I'm like thinking that. of. What is ancient Chinese secret? Is that racist? 
Was that a racist no thing? What is that from? I, I just heard it a lot. I don't know. I'm almost like scared to like look it up at this I'm point. looking it up right now. Ancient Chinese secret. Oh, While you're looking up that. Oh, uh, it's, it's an old, very racist looking commercial. <laughs> okay. Probably never so we're use that again. That. Never use yeah, that Yeah, we're going to denounce that right now. <laughs> Anyway, the Switch Mini rumors were uh, also kind of confirmed <laughs> by Nintendo Life. They were talking about how, through their own sources, they confirmed that the Switch Mini is a thing, but also the Switch Pro is still a thing, which I thought that had kind of been, at this point, not like, debunked, but rumors were, new rumors are saying it's, it's just going to be the Switch Mini initially. But apparently both are there, still in the works. There's the one other thing that I saw that you don't have on this list that I didn't send you, and it's yeah. my fault. Um, but there's another thing I saw coming from whoever develops the chips for these saying that Nintendo has in 2019 increased demand for the chips by like an incredible number, leading them to believe that it, there is both a mini yes, and a pro actually, coming. Yes. Um, that's kind of also a part of the Wall Street Journal thing as well here. Um, it doesn't go deep into that necessarily, but it does talk about them changing the manufacturing process. Yeah. Um, so Wall Street Journal also had a report. This is coming from GameSpot because I couldn't read the Wall Street Journal report themselves, but they broke it down. And you couldn't read the Wall Street Journal report. The... Was that you couldn't read the Wall Street no, Journal report? You don't have Apple News Plus. I don't know. I got girl. We got to kick it. Casey out my family and get you back on my family plan. <laughs> Was I ever on your family plan? I don't think no. I was. No, but Casey's so like not share my credit family. card information. I mean, if you buy an app I... and then you can Apple Pay Cash me, and that's the only form of payment that I accept. All right, but you have a MacBook we'll with talk a Touch ID it. sensor. Yeah, I do. I do. You can Apple Pay Cash. So, so according to the Wall Street Journal, production has already begun on the Switch Mini and the Pro. The manufacturing has been relocated to Southeast China. Um, I'm assuming it's probably Taiwan. Southeast and Asia. That's in. Oh, what did I say? Southeast, what? It's hotly debated oh, whether or not Taiwan is, is China, right? No, that's Thailand. I don't know. The Thai something. Thai or <laughs> I shoes, actually don't know. Whatever. We clearly know a lot about Chinese culture. So much. For place. someone who's going to China in two months, I should definitely learn anything about Chinese geography <laughs> and anything. <laughs> so they're apparently doing this switch over to um, Southeast Asia to... Um, to avoid that potential tariff of 25% for any electronics that are produced in China and then sold in the U.S. So that makes sense. That makes total sense. And in that same report, they said that there's two models, again, just like Nintendo um, Life was saying, that there's going to be a Pro that looks very similar to the Switch. It just has, quote, better components within it. So probably with the improved screen that's been talked about. That's also part of an earlier Wall Street Journal um, report on this. But also the Mini is going to be a redesigned version with lower specs than the current Switch, which would be to save money. Yeah, and the lower spec thing makes complete sense because they underclock the processor when it's in handheld mode, and if it can only be in handheld mode and cannot be plugged into a TV, why would you put in a chip that it's not going to use sixty percent of its resources? So that makes complete sense. So I think all of this, I think we're going to see this pretty soon. If production started, it's it's got to be coming out like next month. Yeah. Um. Didn't Nintendo say? That they're not planning on releasing information on the consoles in June? Or did they just say at E3 and so we assumed that also meant June? Yeah. So it could be tomorrow. Who knows? It could be tomorrow. I mean, they've they've done that before. <clears throat> they have announced a new piece of hardware and have it come out within like a three-week time frame. Uh, but it's usually 
like I think they did it with the Nintendo 2DS XL or was it the 2DS? One of those two, they just like released it and it was like, okay, we're releasing it in, like in a few weeks and it's coming out. Yeah. Um. So it totally makes sense. I totally buy this. Um. It also just makes sense because Nintendo 3DS is is falling and they need a handheld. Yep. So why not have a handheld that's also their home console? Hell yeah. And there's definitely a market for it. So believe it or not, there are still people out there that don't own a Nintendo Switch yet. And are waiting for an opportunity mm-hmm. to get one. Like, look at Ryan yep. from Ryan's Subscriber Interrogatives. Dude's been waiting <laughs> for that thing gaming. to go on sale for more than just $50 off for a while. And if this mini version is that, he's going to scoop one up. He's going to be think, playing. 200 bucks. He's going to hold his baby in his armpit like that. And then he's going to play <laughs> like this. And then the baby slips. And hopefully he's not just holding it up by the head. That's irresponsible, Ryan. That's very irresponsible of you. <laughs> I think you guys should go see a family therapist. That's all the uh, Nintendo Switch Mini stuff, right? (laughs) (laughs) Chad, what games would you play on Nintendo Switch Mini? Oh, I think you're referencing Playtime. I am. We're talking about what we played this week. You guys, I played a lot of things this week. Uh, Guacamelee 2 actually technically is cheating because that one's two weeks ago. I beat Guacamelee 2. I very, very, like, I came very close to saying, Holden, this is the game Uh-oh, that Chad I have broke to make up you for me. I, can't I broke up. I broke up with you. I can see him. I can't hear him. Oh. Oh. Woo! So for any of you guys who, uh, <laughs> who don't know, we are putting out a video version of this, and this might have just fucked it up, but I'm in a hotel this week. I'm in a conference, and uh, so I'm at the mercy of hotel Ethernet. Um, I also forgot to bring a tripod, so if you're watching me, yeah, I'm holding it like Ryan Seacrest. I'm holding my microphone. Son of a bitch! Um, so yeah, we... <laughs> is that a common thing that Ryan Seacrest says? Yeah, he just turns to the side. <laughs> he side-eyes the camera and he goes, Son of a bitch! <laughs> I'm Ethel Merman! <laughs> Woo! Talking about playtime, though. Playtime this week. Okay. <clears throat> this is going to go a bit long. Sort of the Guacamelee <laughs> 2. Uh, that I finished last week, technically. And it was such a good experience, such a great Metroidvania game, that I almost made you play it as like my... I get one game per year that I can say, Holden, you have to play this game right now. And by right mm-hmm. now, I mean, you know, buy it when you get the chance and play it in the near yeah. future. Uh, I almost made that this game. But it's fantastic. If you haven't played Guacamelee yet, I do recommend playing Guacamelee, but also Guacamelee 2. There are also so many, so many fucking good callbacks to the original game, and it makes fun of the original game in this whole section, and meme culture, and it makes fun of other games, and it also rips off other games and pays homage to them, and it's so wonderful. It's so wonderful. It, that's why I'm glad I, you had me play Spider-Man instead. I have not started. Yes, yeah, so my Declare Martial Law game that I'm making you play is Spider-Man. That is the game that you have yes. to play. So we, and I'd much rather do that than Guacamelee 2 because I really want to play 1 first because of all those references you're talking about. Yeah. I feel like I would just I would get lost in a lot of that. But I'll, I'll be playing Spider-Man this year. So yeah. stay tuned for my thoughts on that. You'll be playing that. Spider-Man soon. And thank you to those of us, yeah. to those of you who support us on patreon.com slash respawnaimfire because thanks to your support, Holden can afford to play Spider-Man. We use that money yes, so that he can play it and you guys can get his opinion and we can be more educated about the games that are great of this generation. Woo! Guacamelee 2 on Switch. Great. Everyone play it. Go. <laughs> Second game that I want to talk about, The Messenger. Drop that like a hot potato. 
You'd really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Messenger is uh, it is a very, very gorgeous-looking game. I love the, the style of it. I love the humor. It's a Devolver-published game. Um, there's great humor from, like, the shopkeep, especially, and all Uh-oh, the stories. Chad broke up Son again. of a bitch! It's frozen on his face, and I'm going to take a screenshot of yeah, it. Screen and it. I might post it to Twitter because it's screen just it. fantastic. Yes. <laughs> um, so the messenger, you can still hear me, right? Chad, I think we might have to do audio only. You can still hear me, though, right? Yeah? Yeah? No, you can't hear me. You can't hear me. Son of a bitch! So uh, I guess this will not be <laughs> our first visual episode. <laughs> we switch audio only because this stupid-ass hotel, it's expensive as shit, has shit-ass shitty shit. Internet. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it was an obstacle getting started. I know, yeah. It was like literally took us an extra hour and a half before we could get started because <laughs> of it. Uh, so The Messenger. Great sense of humor, great jokes, great stories that you hear from the shopkeep. If you were playing that game, just talk to the shopkeep over and over and over until he literally has nothing left to say. Uh, and then go touch the cabinet to the left of him and just listen to everything he has to say about that cabinet. It's great. Uh, but it was not, I feel like it was not challenging enough for me. I got to, if anyone's playing the game, the Bamboo Forest, which I assume based on playtime, maybe it was about two hours in, uh, is maybe about a quarter of the way through the game. I just feel like it was more of the same in a new, different environment. I know that there is a mechanic where you switch to, like, much more detailed sprites and things like that, and it gets, like, 16-bit or 30, whatever the fuck bit. Um, but it just didn't happen fast enough for me. It wasn't challenging enough for me to keep me interested. Great. Game number three from this week, <clears throat> Cadence of Hyrule. Have you played this yet, Holden? I, I have it, and I've played it for like 15 minutes, and I just have not had time to go back, mostly because Animal Crossing is a big part of that. But yeah, I need to get into that game more. Cadence of Hyrule. I downloaded this game, and let me tell you, not for me. Not for me. <laughs> <laughs> what about it? I'm actually kind of surprised. I thought you'd like I'm, it. I'm very surprised, too, because Zelda... 2D Zelda, plus awesome remixed versions of the music, plus rhythm game, sounds like a fucking ice cream social. Didn't like it, though. <laughs> ice cream socials are a good thing, by the way. Uh, no, I, I couldn't. I Like Steven said, it just mentally, it, it didn't click with me. Like, I literally couldn't. I couldn't do it. <laughs> as weird as that sounds. Oh, like missing beats and stuff? It wasn't that I was missing beats. But just like you have to, it is much more of a strategy game and like a tactical game than I expected it to be. And like based on enemy movement patterns, you sh- you have to be like, if he's coming at you from this way, you might have to step to the side, then step up and then attack from the side. And you have to do all of that in rhythm on the fly. And it was just something I could, I literally could not get it. it. I was dying every screen and a half. I played it for about an hour um, and I, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I wasn't having fun with it, but it was yeah. I, I feel like it was just much too too much tactical strategy for me, and I and I couldn't I couldn't mm-hmm. get my head around it. I love it's the soundtrack though. I I can't wait to go listen to that music again on Apple Music. Oh, I hope it's on Apple Music. I don't. I have no idea. Play. I have no idea if it is or not. Cadence of Hyrule. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Couldn't find it on Apple Music. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Could just oh. be a series of piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> likely there's a there's a just a chance of that there's a chance um next up so Kane is a high rule i was like damn 
I was really looking forward to playing this on my commute. Guess what else I should play? Diablo 3 Diablo. Eternal Collection. <laughs> um, I actually, I bought, there was a deal, Warrior 64 tweeted out, hey, you can buy uh, eShop dollars for 10% off with this coupon code on fries or whatever. So I had 50 bucks of eShop credit that I bought for 45 bucks, and I paid for Cadence of Hyrule that was only 25 and I was like, what am I going to do with all this extra cash flow, y'all? I was like, Diablo 3's on sale for twenty nine ninety nine. Pick that shit up! And started playing it on the bus, or on the shuttle, and it was uh, toot sweet, which is French for, like, do this fast waiter or something like that. Uh, but also, <laughs> it's, it's pretty sweet. The only gripe I have about Diablo 3 on Switch is if you're playing handheld, man, all of the UI elements are baby, baby, tiny, tiny. Uh, so, like, reading text... I, I feel like that's the way you would want to play it, too, on the Switch. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's, not, it's not prohibitive at all, but it is just like, I'm glad I have good contacts and, and I uh, go to the eye doctor so that I can make sure that I have these up-to-date prescriptions. So I can read this text. <laughs> and it also makes me think, if the Switch Mini is a thing, and the screen itself is minier, whoo, what a hard time that game might be. But for now, it's just <laughs> at that threshold where it's nice. That's nice. I think the screen says probably the same, actually, because the bezels are pretty big on a Switch. I haven't actually, like, looked at it in, with that discerning of an eye in, a, in, a, in a, a minute, as the kids say. I haven't looked at that in a minute. Seen that in a minute. <clears throat> but here's what I put the most time into. Harry Potter Wizards Unite. I motherfuckers. Launched on iOS a day early on Thursday, the 22nd of June, uni. Um, just to give you a little bit of a backstory, I also, that same day, bought $150 worth of Harry Potter gear from Vans. Bought shoes and a hat and socks. <laughs> Guess what? Next day, went back to that same Vans store, bought another $150 worth of shoes, another hat, and more socks. <laughs> <laughs> so I am biased. So the game's working. The game's doing oh, exactly the game's working. what they wanted it to do. But guess how much money I've spent on that game? <laughs> Nothing. Zero. Even though there's plenty of opportunity and it's screaming at you, buy more coins, buy more coins, you're out of spell energy, make your potions go faster. Um, My question for you yes. is, should Pokemon Go be scared? No. No, Pokemon no, no, Go is no, your no, shit. No, no, you're no, the most no, dedicated no, no. Pokemon Go fan that I know. Now, here's, here's the thing. So no. Harry Potter Wizards Unite has a couple of things going against it. One, obviously the IP is nowhere near as big as Pokemon. It is a big IP, but it's nowhere near as big as Pokemon. And I think we saw that in the sales numbers too. Or not sales numbers, but like downloads and stuff. It was downloaded 300,000 times in 24 hours versus Pokemon Go that was downloaded 2 million times. Um, I think that's not times. I think that's actually money. It earned $300,000. Pokemon Go got 2 million. I think that's right. Um, but that's, that makes sense. The other thing going against it is that when you open that app for the first time, it is obtuse, it is confusing, and there is so Ooh. much shit going on. And the problem is, for any of us who have downloaded Pokemon Go and been with it from the beginning, they've just added new features every couple of months, and we've gotten used to them as we go. So I we oh, but started this is like all the features at once. Exactly, there is an analog for everything in Pokemon Go. Pokestops have uh, inns that you can dine at. Uh, gyms are these big houses that you can do challenges at and battle increasingly more difficult monsters. Um, and then they're like 
Potions are the new eggs. No. Port keys are the new eggs. Where you have to unlock a port key. And spell energy is your new Pokeball. Like, everything has an analog. Including daily tasks. And instead of catching Pokemon, you are collecting what they call foundables. Which are things in the magic world that have gone missing that you are finding and taking away from goblins that are like playing with the remember all on the street or whatever or a fucking daily prophet that's caught in a whirlwind or a dragon or whatever um so there's there is an analog to all of it and it is so complex and it doesn't do a good job of explaining anything and it's very text and dialogue heavy there is spoken dialogue which is actually surprising um and if it's not Dan- I doubt it's Daniel Radcliffe but it's a very good sound alike for Harry Potter um, but so yeah, it's definitely high barrier of entry. I know a lot of people who have played it. My friend Kurt is like, I don't even fucking like Harry Potter, but I'm going to go see Toy Story with you. And we're going in the Harry Potter vans section. So I guess I have to play this <laughs> app with you. And he's like, I play Pokemon go a lot. He does, but he opened up that app and he has, I have no idea what's going on. And it took me a good, like two days before I finally understood all the systems of it. And there's still things that don't understand, like planting a plant at the greenhouse and how that's beneficial and whatever the fuck it means. That's a, that's a big deterrent for mobile games, though, because mobile games should be simple. Like you open it up, you know exactly what's going on instantly, and you stick with it because you didn't have this like challenge to learn it. Yeah, it's um, more of a hardcore like console kind of game to thing to do, like a deep RPG with intricate systems. You need to figure out like that's not what casual gamers want to do. Yeah, what I do like about this game is that it gives you a there's like a progression system like an RPG skill tree, you can choose your class, whether you're going to be an Auror or whatever the other two ones, because I forgot. Oh, an Auror, you can be like a Beastmaster like Hagrid, or you can be a Professor. And I chose the Auror because they're better at battling, and I, that's what I find the most fun, like casting spells and fighting Death Eaters and things like that in the game. I'm really surprised they wouldn't just use the houses at Hogwarts. Well, the here's the thing. It's, it's, not, it's not a team thing. You are powering up skills. So in R, you get a lot of, like, you can do more damage in battle. Uh, you can get Protego, the Protect spell, can be better. You get, like, different spells that you can cast that give you different buffs. Versus, like, the Care of Magical Creatures, where you might be able to catch things easier. So the different classes aren't, like, just teams that you're on like they are in Pokemon Go. Okay. They actually do have consequences. And as far as I can tell, I haven't tried this yet well, because what, I'm R all the way, but as far as I can tell, you can level up different things and different skill trees at the same time. Okay. Because you I'm also actually, choose so, your house. Did, okay, I was going to say, I would be surprised if you didn't choose your house because in Pokemon Go, you have, like, the, was it red, yellow, and blue teams? Yeah. Mystic, Valor, and Instinct. Oh, okay. I just saw it as red, yellow, blue. Cause they, Pokemon, those are their colors. Games. Um, yeah, so you can choose your house. You can choose your wand. You can choose the, the wand uh, material. Wait a second. You choose your wand? The wand doesn't okay, choose you? Okay, first of all, I went to Pottermore.com and got the accurate makeup of my wand and put that in. Because, yes, the <laughs> wand does choose you. <laughs> Same with the house. You technically can choose your house in this, but you fucking better go to Pottermore.com and get the real thing. Because I don't want all y'all clogging up my Gryffindor. Um, you have to earn being Gryffindor. That's right. That's right. But, yeah, I like I like it so far. What I enjoy about it versus Pokemon Go. Right now in Pokemon Go, I'm I'm I open it up, I get my one Pokestop for the day, I catch my one Pokemon, and I do my daily quest so that I can like get more towards my weekly research task of getting some legendary monster. Um, and then I don't really have it open or I'm like actively going to look for stuff until they drop a new set of Pokemon. So right now I'm in that 
open it up for a couple of minutes a day, swipe some stuff, and then use Adventure Sync to let it sync with my health app and just hatch eggs throughout the day, and I don't even have to pay attention to it. Versus Harry Potter, where right now I am going out trying to catch every or get every foundable that I find on the street, and I'm like, ooh, I want to make sure that I can battle up to level 9 on this challenge room, and I want to get to the next fucking skill that I haven't gotten to in this R skill tree yet. So I am finding... For now, at least, until um, I run out of things to do, that I'm I'm using this actively more. Some of that is required because it doesn't have Adventure Sync. So if you want to track distance to like open up your port keys, uh, you have to do that while the app is open. You can't just have it in your pocket or sync. Um, and they do have they have a list of challenges every single day, like brew a potion and uh, dine at an inn twice, do one challenge room. Uh, so like a whole list of things, and I have found that I've done them every single day. So I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm playing it honestly longer than I expected to. I thought that I was just going to play this for the weekend and be like, that's kind of a cool game, but I'm back to my Pokemon Go. I am also playing Pokemon Go. Don't get me wrong. I'm doing my 10 minutes of Pokemon Go, get the shit out of the way in the morning, and then jump over to Harry Potter Wizards Unite. A couple of gripes, though. I know I've already talked about a few. One is that their microtransactions are uh, heavily pushed throughout this. Like, uh, you're brewing a potion. You could brew this a lot faster if you paid money. You are uh, fucking... Oh, you're fighting this monster. Oop, you're out of spell energy. Do you want to pay to get more spell energy? Oh, you have a port key. You have seven port keys. You want to buy an extra thing for a port key? So I, I feel like it's it is around every corner is an excuse to buy... spend real world money on this shit Um, I guess my question is though do they have any surprise mechanics in the game they do not have surprise mechanics oh I'm surprised yeah Uh, at least I don't think no they don't they don't they do have packs where they are very clear defined of what you're gonna get from them Uh, yeah okay that's good and then the other only gripe I have is that, you know, with Pokemon, there are distinct characters that you're like, oh, I care about that Pokemon. Whereas this, the foundables, is sometimes it's literally just like random pieces of trash. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you found... Trash? You found a goblin that was playing with Hagrid's broken wand umbrella, and now you picked up the umbrella. Great. Or you saved a random-ass Ravenclaw student. It sounds trash? like Forky would trash? love this game. Yeah. Uh, or, or, like... a poster of some wizard or like sometimes like i don't feel a connection to the things that i'm getting like i would with a pokemon yeah you're gonna stop playing this game pretty soon i bet (laughs) as soon as you said that i'm like that that's what keeps you in these games and yeah why would you keep like in pokemon right now like my main goal in pokemon is i'm gonna fill out the decks and i'm gonna make sure every pokemon i have is like an amazing version of that pokemon really high ivs Versus this one where the equivalent of that would be I'm going to get every single foundable and I'm going to make sure I'm, I don't feel the drive to do that right now. I'm just playing the game to have fun and battle. Which I do feel like the spell casting system and the battle in the challenge room is a lot more interactive than the Pokemon battles which are just tap, 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 tap on the screen. This is actually you're tracing out the spells. There's using healing potions and potions that allow you to to do better attack or have better defense. Uh, you're also like fighting, so you're fighting monsters and that kind of stuff too, right? Yeah, you're fighting like werewolves and spiders and pixies and death eaters. You're fighting a bunch okay. of stuff, and it's it's this actually is, this fun. is what they this is how they can turn those 
just just from what I've heard from you, I think this is how they could turn the the founding stuff into actually something, something useful. Make them horcruxes. In order to beat a certain like legendary enemy of some kind, you have to find certain items that are their horcruxes, destroy them before you can fight them. And they'll be like in a certain park or something specific like that. Um, Not the the legendary enemy to kill. Will be somewhere specific. You know how awful that would be. You know, to make a horcrux, you have to kill somebody. Well, you don't have to kill someone just to put a. You know, Hagrid's umbrella happens to be a Horcrux. No, but if there were like every single day thousands and thousands of Horcruxes all over the world, like that's in game lore, that's thousands and thousands of people that are being murdered. <laughs> World's Not, a dark place. Okay, you you don't have to kill someone. You can split your soul in half. See, there you go. Just split people's souls in half thousands of times every there day. Boom! Figured it out. Uh, there you go. Yeah, no, actually, you're right. That wouldn't make sense to the lore of the world, but it would. I think at least would give a reason to want to collect those things because it sounds like there's not a huge reason to do that. Yeah, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Uh, you know, now that I think about it, no, you don't have to. You don't have to kill somebody. You don't. He had to kill. Ha- Spoilers. He had to kill Harry in order to destroy that Her- the Horcrux that was Harry Potter, but then Harry Potter came back to life. Whoa, heavy spoilers. That's like beyond Snape kills Dumbledore. That's beyond. like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, I'm going to play it, uh, at least for the time being. And the hotel where I'm staying for this conference right now, there are hella inns around and lots of activity going on, so I'm going to be... And it's an AR conference, so this is using augmented reality. Uh, like Pokemon Go, I also use the augmented reality features for a good 20 minutes and then turned off the augmented reality. <laughs> Took a bunch of photos, posted them to Instagram, and said, no thanks. Um, I oh. bet that'll change once the improved iOS 13 or AR comes in where things can hide behind different objects. That'll Probably, change the yeah. Game. One other thing I wanted to mention is just how good... You mentioned HD Rumble and like the bee's knees for you. Mm-hmm. The I really, really love the haptic feedback, the haptic touch with the spell casting. So to cast a spell, oh, it gives you like a, the spells... like If it's the Aguamenti, which is the water one, it'll be like a wavy symbol on the screen. You've got to trace it with your finger. Um, if it's a Lohamora, it's like the circle with a slash down the center. So you got to trace the spell with your finger. The closer you get to being accurately tracing it, and the faster you do it, the better your score. Speed definitely helps a lot more than being accurate. But as you're tracing it, it's like uh, you can feel in the in the iPhone the taptic sensor going, and it feels so fucking good. I actually know exactly what you mean for a non-gaming-related reason, but it's the same concept. I'm running the beta for uh, Android Q right now, yeah. and they have a new feature where when you go to highlight text, you get haptic feedback like that over every single character you run your thumb over. So mm. you're, yeah. immediately you're far more accurate with, with highlighting. Yeah. So I imagine in a game that would be pretty satisfying too. Yep. It's just like the digital crown on Apple Watch Series 4. I just like... When I'm when I'm bored, I just run my finger up and down it, and I just like scroll through a list of things. It's like, oh, it feels so good. Just love those vibrations. Hold on, that's it. I spent forty seven thousand minutes explaining what I played this week. What did you play this week? I'm gonna spend forty seven thousand minutes talking about Animal Crossing New Leaf. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Joy of everyone. Shout out, shout out to all of the lifelong friends who are my friends on that game, Harry Potter. I just want to put out my code. No, you know what? Fucking just go to my Instagram or my or my face, not Facebook. God damn it, my Twitter, and add me, (laughs) add me as well. Add him and make sure to send him Libra money on Facebook. Chad accepts Libra money. What is Libra money? 
Libra money. It's like Facebook's currency that they're making. What? It was a terrible joke I just made. Yeah, they're making a currency. Get out of town. Like anyone would trust Facebook with their money. Mm. It's hysterical. Well, it but do you know who I right? do trust with my money? I trust Tom Nook, the raccoon in Animal Crossing New Leaf, who basically gives me home loans I have to pay Woo! back. And I trust him. Tinu. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not going to talk too much about Animal Crossing New Leaf because I really don't think a lot of people want to hear about it. <laughs> Tweet at us if if I'm wrong. Uh, I do want to just point out like a, a mechanic I found of the game that is just... I mean, I, I knew about it, but I kind of rediscovered it while playing it again. There is a boar who comes into town every Sunday between 6 a.m. and noon. And he sells you turnips. And basically, it's a makeshift stock market where turnips is your stock get it because it's stock s-t-a-l-k ha 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 it's the stock market they literally call it that i hate that (laughs) (laughs) animal crossing is filled with stuff like that but anyway so you buy you know you'll say okay each turnip is going to cost you 100 bells and you'll buy as many as you want to buy and then throughout the week you go back to a certain store and the price of the turnips will go up and down so you have to kind of figure out well when should i sell when should i buy and i've been going online and looking up like the the routines for or the um yeah the routines for the oh, I should say the routine, the trends for the turnips throughout each week. They have like a like a low week, a random week, or like a, a fast increase week where the price will go up really fast with the week, or weeks where it'll start off higher then drop off. So you kind of have to like pay attention to how they change, how it changes per day, and it's a great excuse to go back in and play the game every single day, and it's a great excuse to get in there Sunday morning. That's one thing I like about the game a lot is that it's it's all real time, so like things happen at real like there's a saturdays there's going to be a a like a fishing tournament or something like that or a bug catching tournament um at certain day of the week you know a camel will come into town and you can buy certain rugs and wallpapers from him they're just like kind of little smart things like that that keep you coming back into the game all right all right it's kind of amazing, actually, that they're not going to have microtransactions in Animal Crossing on Switch because it's just—it's so primed for it. It's very unlike Nintendo to do that, but it's like if if any other company had Animal Crossing, it'd be loaded with microtransactions <laughs> and surprise mechanics. Wasn't the wasn't the iOS game kind of that way? Yeah, but I'm talking about the the console, the mainline ones. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if it's a mobile game made by any company nowadays, it, it, it's guaranteed to have microtransactions. We all know Dr. Mario is. <laughs> yes. And Mario Kart. Mario Kart apparently has some really egregious ones. Have too. you seen the Mario, the Dr. Mario ones? No, I haven't. Have you seen the Dr. Mario reveal trailer? Yeah, I did. Did I? Actually, I don't think it's I did. It's like three minutes long, and it explains every mechanic of the game. It's a wor- It's the oh, worst I reveal definitely, trailer. I didn't see that then. Definitely. Oh, my God. So you, you get to attempt a puzzle using a, a heart, which is like a, a stamina or energy or something like that. And you only get so many hearts per day, and it's it's time sensitive. So, uh, if you if you run out of attempts, you have to wait like thirty minutes for a heart, or you could buy a heart that you could use right now. That doesn't sound great. No, no, that sounds pretty terrible. Let's move over to fetch quest. Yeah, fetch quest, baby, fetch quest. Wait, what is that song? Love shack. That's it, baby. Love shack. <laughs> So we have a, actually a lot of fetch quests this week. Um, we're starting off with Nintendo's opening a second retail store in Tel Aviv, Israel. It's about time. Why don't they have more retail stores? That's so stupid. I know. I know. I do think 
I think I was thinking Tokyo would make more sense for their second store. They're doing that later this year. Um, I, I, I was kind of surprised to hear Tel Aviv. Is that like a big shopping area? I don't know. I don't know. I've never been to Israel. I have no idea. That's so Either that's so I. weird. Although Nintendo World is like in, it's at thirty. I think it's at Rockefeller. Yeah, it's at yeah, Rockefeller. Rockefeller. Uh, it is yeah. one of the coolest things. Like they have the the Game Boy, the original Game Boy that survived the Gulf War, and it's like still running whatever cart they have in it on display. You know, I've been to New York City so many times. My family lives in New York City. I've never been to the Nintendo store before. What? I know. You yeah. should go and buy me so much swag, and I'll Apple Pay cash you. <laughs> Sonic Team says that in 2021 is going to be the next big year for Sonic. Fucking so if you're Sonic fans, look forward to that. <laughs> I feel like they've made that promise before, and that's when Sonic Forces came out. Yeah. Oh, Sonic Mania, Sonic Mania was Mania good. Came out. Sonic Mania. Yeah. Well, I didn't play it. It's free on PlayStation Plus this month, but I'm not going to play it. And it's probably coming to a Tesla car at some point because Fallout Shelter is also on the Tesla cars now. You know Everything what? Everything is on Tesla cars. You know what? I didn't realize, like, when they were like, oh, the first level of, or the first world of Cuphead will be on Teslas and all this kind of stuff. I was like, mm-hmm. that's so dumb. What a gimmick. But then I, then I finally saw the practical application, and it's to play while your car is charging. Because it takes your car, like, a half an hour to charge at superchargers. Oh, interesting. And I was like, oh. Because people don't have phones so they can play that games That fucking on. totally makes, you can't play Cuphead on a phone. You can play it on a Switch. Exactly, yeah. But if you have a car... That I was like, oh, that totally meant because because the game doesn't allow it doesn't allow you to play while the car is moving, obviously. But it was like, then why the I fuck just, is the game even on there? It was like, oh, it's still well, play while you're waiting for it to charge. I guess. I don't know. I feel like how much money do they spend on getting those games in the in the Tesla cars versus like how much would it cost them just like give everyone a switch instead and be much better that way. Well, the Tesla runs. I think the I'm it runs on I'm Unity. I think so, <laughs> the Tesla runs. On the Unity. whole Tesla runs on Unity. No, the <laughs> the engine that they're using. I think they're maybe either porting Unity to Tesla or a part of it runs on Unity. I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, it probably would have to run whatever game engine the game was made in. Yeah, at the very least. Um, okay, so Physiology is a uh, social media research firm. And they looked at data from all the Nintendo-related uh, E3 tweets, and I thought this was interesting. Breath of the Wild was not the most talked about. Breath of the Wild Two was not the most talked about game. It was actually Animal Crossing. I would say that's accurate. There are so many fucking lunatics who are going gaga <laughs> over Animal Crossing, and they just—I'm one of them. Of all, I'm not on Twitter about like it too much. Everything. Like I listened to Easy Allies. I listened to IGN. I listened to Kind of Funny. I listened to Podcast Beyond, and they're talking about I fucking love Animal Crossing. I'm like, no, you don't. Who hurt you? You don't love it. <laughs> You've just been fucking uh, Stockholm syndromed into thinking that this is a good game. But everyone fucking is going crazy over it. And then Breath of the Wild 2, everyone's like, yeah, that looks great. Can't wait to play it. Next. <laughs> Next. What about Animal Crossing again? Uh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what it is. Like, all right, I, this past week, it was kind of a really rough week for me. But having Animal Crossing was kind of a nice little silver lining in that week. It's just a really positive, happy game that's so unique to other games that it's just not about being a game. That I, I totally get the draw. I can get that. It's that's not... why I love Flower so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so much positivity. There's so much positivity that that game was delayed, and only 2% of the overall social media reactions were people upset about the release date being delayed. Like, 
just to show you how positive that community is, I'm now on the Animal Crossing subreddit. It's the most positive subreddit I've ever been to outside of wholesome memes. It's it's completely fake. It's the Nintendo devs <laughs> going in there making fake accounts. That's a lot of content if they are. I don't get it, man. I, I just don't get it. <laughs> you just mentioned Flower. Uh, Sky, Children of the Light, is finally flying its way to mobile. That's from that game company. Um, it's going to be on iOS and Apple TV in July, and they said it's going to be coming to Mac OS, Android, and consoles at a later date. I'm really upset I don't have an iPhone now because I really want to play this game. It's about goddamn time. This game, it was shown off at WWDC last year as yeah. like, this is the kind of games we're bringing to Apple TV. This is before Apple Arcade mm-hmm. was announced. And then it just went silent forever, and now we're finally seeing it. That's kind of like what Fortnite did. <laughs> they were announced at WWDC, and then it went silent for <laughs> four years. Oh my god, that's right. I forgot that was announced at uh, WWDC. Yeah. But this was before it was a Battle Royale. This was, yeah, that was the regular Fortnite version of Fortnite. Save the World. Yeah. Back before it was called Save the World. It was like, we're taking advantage yep. of metal. The one that almost got canceled. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so I'm actually really excited for Sky. I was listening to an interview on IGN, uh, IGN Unfiltered, I think is the name of the show. Yeah, IGN Unfiltered with Ryan McCaffrey. And he was interviewing Jenova Chen. Sky is actually a game or a concept he came up with in college and he made it as a student project. And when he made the deal with Sony uh, to make three games with them and had make three IPs for them specifically, he was deterred to use Sky because he wanted to maintain the rights to that game because it's a really special game to him. This is, by the way, for anyone who doesn't know, that came companies of people who made Journey and Flower and um, what was the last one? Flow. Flow. I guess the first one was... Yeah, it went Flow, Flower, then Journey. Yeah, I did that completely back. And then Abzu, but that was a different thing altogether. Abzu was a spin-off um, company from them. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm really excited. I mean, this is a game that's really personal and close to him. All these games that he's made have felt very personal in some way. So this is kind of like an outlier for him. I'm curious what that means when you actually get a chance to play it. Yeah. Which I won't be able to immediately. You don't have an Apple which TV? I guess I... I have an Apple TV, like, second gen. Like, the uh... one that doesn't even have an app store on it. Yeah. But I, I mostly access my content through my PlayStation and anything I have on iTunes. Actually, my entire movie collection's in iTunes and all the TV shows I own. But I'm fine watching them on my laptop, so I don't really it doesn't bother. Does me does PlayStation not sync with movies anywhere? Oh, I don't know. Because I know at one point that... Xbox did. So anything you bought in iTunes, you could actually watch on any other service. Like you could watch it on oh. Vudu or you could watch it on Xbox. You could watch it. So look into that because I think it might. Wow, that's. That's some friendly business right there. Yeah, it's when when Ultraviolet is finally like everyone admitted it fucking sucks. Disney created movies anywhere, and it links all of your systems together. So if you have like five movies on one service and ten on another, you can actually watch all fifteen somewhere on both. Huh? Just like the title says. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that why it's called Movies Anywhere? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. From Disney. From Disney. Well, Disney's not going to be making the Nathan Drake movie. That's going to be Sony Pictures. But Tom Holland is officially playing Nathan Drake, a young Nathan Drake, to be clear. He's been and attached to the project December for like 20th, a year. 2020. Yeah, but people seem really upset that he's playing Nathan Drake. They keep, I was on Reddit, and everyone's like, he's just too young. And I'm like, well, he's playing young yeah. Nathan Drake. The story so. they're doing is they're, they're it's young Nathan Drake and his first encounter with Sully, which is apparently not going to be the same first encounter or not, maybe not first encounter, maybe like first outing with Sully, but it's it's like their origin story, but not the baby baby origin story when he was a child in Uncharted Three. Yeah, as much as I'm, I really am kind of indifferent about them making an Uncharted movie, uh, just because the the games are already movies basically. 
I think this has a chance of being up there with like the Pikachu movie. I'm Detective Pikachu being like a really good, you know, video game movie. It to me has to do with with one thing, and that is whether or not this was started, like production on this, the script and all of that was all started before or after the new PlayStation Studios uh, film and TV efforts. They just came out I just like two months ago. can't imagine them not having some control over this. I mean, it's Uncharted. I, I, I understand that. But, I mean, you've, if you think about um, who's the head of Naughty Dog right now who, who did all the story stuff for Last of Us and I can't remember his name. Neil Druckmann. Neil Druckmann, yeah. Neil Druckmann says, I literally have no idea what The Last of Us movie is about and I don't have any control over it. Oh, that's right. Uh, so with... Chad, why did you have to ruin my evening? <laughs> <laughs> um. Even though I just said it was different to it. But, you know, with the new PlayStation Studios, they're like, no, we're taking this back into our own hands and our IP are going to be generated from us. But with this release date of December 20th, 2020, and this movie having been in development hell for the last probably six years and going through Mm a hundred different directors and a hundred different people starring in it, I don't think – this. I think this is going to be the last remnants of the old ways before we finally see good stuff coming from PlayStation Studios. Well, they picked a great movie to test that with. Right. (laughs) We're going to fuck it up. (laughs) Don't fuck it up. Speaking of fuck it up, Luigi's Mansion 3. <laughs> <laughs> no, Luigi's Mansion 3 looks awesome. Um, there was a long like interview that uh, Polygon had. Uh, I read it. It's basically just the same stuff that Nintendo announced, but uh, at E3. However, uh, Bill Trinan, at the very end of the article, confirmed that they didn't announce the release date because they're just waiting for next level games to let them know, hey, it's ready. You can announce the release date. So just kind of letting it be a next level game's hands. So we're just waiting on that. I I would like that game to come out this year and not get delayed. And I have a I have this like slight like paranoia and, and pessimism that they didn't announce a delay for Luigi's Mansion 3 D3 because they were announcing a delay for Animal Crossing at E3. And they didn't want to do two at the same time. I mean, how much is it really gonna fucking matter? I already have Diablo 3 on my Switch, so <laughs> and Nintendo's considering that, that Chad Innes has Diablo. Yeah, Innes, I don't need anything else for a while. You don't need anything else for a while. Plus, you're going to be so invested in all these surprise mechanics that EA has for you in stores. That's right. Look at you. Let's you were just teasing that over and over the whole episode. People are going, what are these surprise mechanics they keep talking about? Guess i got to stay tuned to the middle of the episode. Fuck yeah, you do. <laughs> you can leave right after, though. It's fine. <laughs> Never talk about Xbox Scarlet and all that stuff after. You got to stick around. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about this. Let's talk about this whole surprise mechanics thing. Um, well, what are your thoughts? I, I feel like I was talking a lot. What are your thoughts on this? Well, let's let's first tell the people what it is. Oh yeah, so <laughs> loot boxes. Everyone knows what loot boxes are. Uh, a lot of a lot of companies are under scrutiny from just governments around the globe, uh, really, about loot boxes and how they're gambling mechanics. And this, I think it was uh, what's name? Uh, Kerry Hopkins, the vice president of legal at EA, was testifying in uh, a UK's Digital Culture, Media, and Sport Committee, and she said this. Well, first, we don't call them loot boxes. We call them. We look at them as surprise mechanics. If you go to a store that sells a lot of toys and you do a search for surprise toys, you'll find um, you'll find is that is something people enjoy. They enjoy surprises. That it is something that people enjoy. People enjoy surprises. Um, this is, I think the term surprise mechanics is just incredibly stupid. Yeah. What do they, what do they call it? Putting lipstick on a pig? 
What? I think that's the saying. You know, you can you put you can dress up a pig, but it's still a pig. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just putting. I lipstick thought you were saying EA said that. I'm like, no, what no, no. The saying is you put is lipstick that? on a pig. I think I, I'm pretty sure that's a thing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's double speak is is what it is. It's it's not loot boxes. It's something different. It's a surprise mechanic, and I think what's really annoying about about this is that. Their argument's actually not that bad. The surprise mechanic part is really dumb, but their case of why loot boxes actually aren't gambling is a great argument, I think. It's just completely weighed down by the stupid term surprise mechanics. It is a really dumb term. I think it's still it's still the same old argument that everyone's been having for the last year and a half about loot boxes. And, and this cor- this particular analogy correlates to what greg miller's been saying for a long time where it's think about those 25 cent machines you see at the checkout counter where like little plastic Mm -hmm. balls you put 25 cents in and you could get a superhero ring you could get a keychain you could get a pile of goo whatever you get and it's it's exactly like that put 25 cents in and you don't know which one of those things you're gonna get uh and then it's up to our legislation to decide whether that's gambling or not and it's clearly not gambling I don't think it is, at least. I think it, it reminds me of trading cards a lot. Like, you get a pack of Pokemon cards. You never knew it was inside of those, but it was exci- It was exciting. And this is stupid to say, but it, it was fun because of the surprise. And I, I'm giving EA credit there. That is why getting trading cards is fun, Yeah, is opening up the pack and going, oh, my gosh, there's a Pikachu, and it's like a shiny one. Remember they had kind of like the, the – the, some of the cards were shinier? Yep, the, was that the holographic cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The foil yeah. cards, yep. So there, there was totally a surprise element to it, and I think trading cards is a good comparison that companies would want to adopt, not because I like pay-to-win mechanics, but comparing them to trading cards opens up you having pay-to-win mechanics, because you could buy a bunch of Pokemon packs, or Yu-Gi-Oh card packs, or Hearthstone packs, until you get the card you want that's going to help your deck become better because you paid for it. Yeah. Like, I- I'm, I'm amazed they don't make that analogy. They started. They started talking about kindred eggs, and um, what was the other one they mentioned? Kindred eggs, and there's something like LOL Pop or something like that. But kindred eggs, like the, the that's not a fair comparison. It's like a kindred egg or like a you know cracker jack box yeah. because you're getting the cracker jacks and then you get a toy as the surprise. Whereas a loot box is just the surprise. There's no like thing that you know you're for sure getting with that loot box. Yeah. I think it, you know, I think it was maybe that GameDaily.biz article with EA where they're like, these are all, uh, we're committing back to Anthem and we understand we fucked up and all the, like, EA state of where they are right now. I think mm-hmm. in that, they did mention the loot box thing and they compared them to baseball cards. Did they? I'm pretty sure yeah, they did. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Andrew Wilson did do that. You're right. Um, But they didn't do it in the committee where, you know, it kind of matters more. Yeah. I don't think that these people in the committee are actually going to go look up that game.biz article. <laughs> Game daily.biz. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I actually don't have a problem with loot boxes as long as it's not pay to win, but I, it is ridiculous that it's, that it's, um, I don't know. I find that as an industry, we're already moved away from them almost. And we, are, or at least I can't remember anything recent that has loot boxes in it. That isn't like, a free to play game. This isn't a free to play game, and even then, they're yeah. like the odds are there. You have to list out what the odds are. But yeah, I don't think anyone's actually using loot boxes anymore in a significant no. way. So I think honestly, we've already moved past it. Yeah, but I, I just want to point out that like, it seems like people are like 
basically vitriolic about this surprise mechanics. I think people are really focused on just that term surprise mechanics. I think it's because it's a stupid-ass like, term. <laughs> it's a really stupid term, but like EA is clearly trying to better themselves in some way. I mean, to stick with Anthem and not drop it immediately, and for Andrew Wilson to get there and basically say, yeah, we know that we fucked up and we're working on it, please just give them a chance to, like, do better and not just mock them mercilessly for literally two words. I mean, I've been joking about it this whole episode, but there are people who have only focused on the surprise mechanics and really not much else of it. Yeah. That's what they want. They just want that one little nugget and then go, ha ha, you screwed up. Exactly. And it's just, it's not constructive. It's not helpful. It's petty. It's dumb. That's petty. That's Kyle Petty. Petty. Kyle Petty, California. That was uh, my friend (laughs) Kyle Creighton taught me that when I was like three years old. Then I stole his Carmen Sandiego wallet and mom got real mad at me and I had to go give it back to him. (laughs) 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 All right. Let's talk about our main quest. Yeah. Main quest. We have a lot to talk about in this main quest. We do. So Digital Foundry uh, released an analysis video of Microsoft's announcement of the Project Scarlet. 2T Scarlet. 2T Scarlet. And then we're also going to talk as well about just some uh, things that Phil Spencer said in interviews as well as what uh, Matt Booty said at the head of Microsoft uh, Xbox Game Studios. But let's start with the Digital Foundry stuff because I think that's the bigger deal here. In this analysis, did Digital Foundry... Uh, come up with a reason why they called it Scarlet with two T's? They did not. No. Stupid. Although um, I just Googled it, and apparently that's how Scarlet Johansson spells her name? Yes, it is. Is Scarlet the name spelled with two T's and the color is one T? Is that the thing? I think that's the thing. I was Scarlet O'Hara? Thing. I kind of looked it up. That's the... What? <laughs> I've never noticed this before. Just need to read more, Chad. Son of a fucking whore box. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. The name is two T's and the color is one. Son of a bitch. Sorry, continue. So, no, you're fine. So, uh, the, the video started off with them basically comparing the PS5 to, or the next-gen PlayStation, to Project Scarlet. And basically, he used the term muddied waters, that it's it, Xbox's vision really isn't that clear, and it's very, very similar to what we know about PlayStation 5 so far. They don't really know what's distinct about that vision. I'll come back to that point, because I actually disagree with that um, to an extent. I agree that the hardware is very similar so far. They both have AMD RDNA Navi tech, which just means they have... Uh, uh, AMD's latest technology um, for their graphics cards built in, which means it's going to have ray tracing support, which, again, PlayStation 5 has as well, and they both have these special SSDs, but we all kind of already knew that already. Um, And then Digital Foundry said, we're confused, and they want some things to clarify, and they don't know if they can clarify them themselves. So one of them was that Microsoft claims that it has made their biggest leap in performance. Um, how does this compare to the jump from the OG um, Xbox to the 360? Um, they said that it was a, a 40 times improvement um, from the OG Xbox to the, to the 360, and it was. It was a huge, huge jump. Um, and that the RAM improved 16-fold from the 360 to the 1. So they took those stats, but said, but then Microsoft claimed it was a four times improvement in processing performance, which 24 teraflops, as they said, seems overly optimistic, but that doesn't seem like the 
biggest leap. So they kind of felt like there was something missing that Microsoft wasn't quite saying. Not that their claim isn't true, but just that there's it's not a complete story yet. Yeah. One thing I also sorry I wanted to call out that they mentioned no, in this can, video is yeah. um, the idea that apparently I I don't know a lot about this part of the industry, but apparently teraflops is increasingly like a useless statistic and doesn't mean mm-hmm. what it used to mean a long time ago. Like, yeah, terif- you could have more teraflops that doesn't necessarily mean it's any more powerful anymore, which is yeah, interesting why I- Google then f- touted that at their stadium. It's, it's a number. And I, I've put weight into that as well. And, I, and there's still some measure to it, but the reason it's not super useful is, is because it's just the number of operations per second there's other operations that are sorry floating point operations per second which is graphics related um which doesn't tie to like how fast that information actually gets to the graphics card to start being processed it also doesn't take into consideration the actual instructions that the computer is getting and if it's running through good instructions that are eloquent and well laid out and thought out or it's bad code that's just not efficient I mean, you're now just, you're, yeah, you're going faster, but you're going faster, taking more steps than you should have to, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, either way, it does just kind of work as like a metric to at least kind of say like, well, look, in this way, we're that much better. But again, it depends a lot on the coding, which makes that that hard. Yeah. Um, the CPU setup they talked about. Um, at this point, all we, all they know is that they're working with amd zen 2 architecture and a lot of the features that amd announced as they put it kind of outclass what a console normally would have so they're uncertain of well those specs that amd talked about are those actually what an xbox 2 or a ps5 is going to have or like to what extent has PlayStation and Microsoft tailored that architecture for their own needs? Right. They point out how like there's a 35 megabytes of L3 cache in what AMD announced, but that's totally unnecessary on a console. That's much more you know uh, warranted on on a PC. So again, just kind of more questions of like, yeah, I get that you have this AMD Zen 2 chip in it. That doesn't mean anything. That's like saying I bought a Honda. Great. What kind of Honda was it? Was it a Civic? Was it an uh, an Accord? Was it a CRV? Did you get the luxury model of that one? Like, there's so many variables still that aren't really being considered, depending on how the person who bought that car in this analogy wanted their car to be. Yeah, we don't know. Um, it's it's hard to to decipher that right now. Um, and then that they said sources have told them that Microsoft's been tweaking the Zen two to boost performance. Um, it's that's also just kind of a no brainer. Of course, they're gonna be tweaking it to get what they're looking for out of the the chip. But I that does at least go to say that just because PlayStation and Microsoft are both using that same AMD Zen 2 architecture does not mean that they will be comparable performance exactly. Right. Just because they're using the same chip. I think he even showed a clip from the AMD thing or he talked about it that like they're using custom variants. Like they're working to make a variant of the Zen 2. Yeah, yeah. And that's typically how it always is. Yeah. Like, that was always kind of brought up, too, where, like, there was a concern a while ago when cryptocurrency mining was becoming a big thing, which shot up the the price of graphics cards, and everyone was concerned that that would mean that the next PlayStation and Xbox would be so much more expensive. And the, the kind of the point to debunk that was, well, they're not using those graphics cards. Like, they're making special deals with AMD for a tailored solution just for them. Right. Like, it's just a separate, you know, factory line altogether. Moving on to graphics, 
Um, they said there's 120 frames per second. They made the point that that doubles the graphics performance that you would need to get out of a console. They didn't say this. I'm inferring this. I'm assuming they're they're talking about 60 frames per second games right. in comparison. If a 30 frames per second game would be a four times requirement, and I think more games run at 30 frames per second on a Xbox One. Right. I, I think a, a lot of times they were comparing the One X the probably Pro does and the, 60. Like he mentioned PS4 Pro a lot in the video or Xbox One yeah. X. I think that's really what they're comparing. And and I want to be uh, I want to point out something here. Um they Microsoft keeps saying it's it's the biggest generational leap that they've made. That would not be from the Xbox One X, a mid-generation console, to where we are now. That would be saying from Xbox One, released in 2013, and the horsepower they had then, yeah. from that to the new Xbox is the biggest generational leap as well. Remember when they so said generations that... weren't a thing? <laughs> <laughs> and then the last thing is memory. Um, this was the vaguest part, even from Digital Foundry's perspective. They basically slowed down the clip that showed the motherboard of the new Xbox and they found the memory modules had part numbers that they could read. There turns out that they're um you're able to look them up. They're Samsung chips and they were they had both 1 gigabyte and 2 gigabyte modules on the motherboard. Um so it, that makes it really hard to figure out exactly what the RAM is going to be. Um there are also total 8 modules. That's everything they listed in the video. There was a lot of information there. Um, one question that kind of came up for me when watching the video is the whole virtual memory in the SSD. Yeah. Like, thinking about that, that could be problematic because let's say that a developer is, is trying to utilize that space to help subsidize the the or to help reduce the taxing uh the tax on the on the ram it's built there they want to sideload some of that stuff to the virtual memory instead what if your console is filled to storage is microsoft going to say you know it's a terabyte hard drive but 10 gigabytes of that has to be reserved for virtual memory i have, yeah like, I, have, I have a feeling that's exactly how does what that work like i mean i'm, I'm sh- we already see that already with you know you get a, a terabyte console but you know we have a hundred gigabytes of that is reserved for the mm-hmm. system you know just broad system um os i'm sure that include that will include whatever their virtual memory will be in it so there's mm-hmm. like reserved space for that that you can't take up with game installs yeah how much do they utilize is it two is it five gigs 10 gigs I don't 30 know. gigs 100 gigs i don't know you know what else probably not 100 gigs you know what else probably i thought of today that was really interesting about this ssd so it's one thing that both consoles are touting is going to be like the biggest so far the biggest revolutionary thing we're going to see about gaming on next generation is load times because of the SSD. Mm-hmm. Uh, these SSDs can't be cheap. Yeah, which means I think it's you're insane if you're thinking the first round of consoles coming out are going to have any kind of storage higher than a terabyte. Mm-hmm. With games coming out with 4K textures and things like that standard, I'd say easily. AAA titles would be over 100 gigabytes each. You can fit maybe seven or eight on your console. What happens? Will they support external storage? What happens when you're suddenly putting a you know 5400 RPM hard drive connected via That's USB 3.0? Yeah. What happens to your console's performance? 
Like how? even if they had the SSD that's super fast externally, it's got to go through that USB still. Even exactly. if you could buy it separately, that's a great point. That that would kill the load time concept completely. Yeah. Are they gonna? Does that mean that they just don't support external storage anymore? But then if you're, I mean, we're moving towards a digital only future. Like you have to offer something higher than one terabyte at a reasonable price. Reasonable price. And then that brought me yeah, to another a- question. Do you think these are going to have USB-C ports on them? Or do you think they're still going to be like USB 3.1? Please have USB-C. I, at this point, every device I have is USB-C, and it's great. So I would love if that was USB-C as well. What they could do with the storage, though, is is make it so you cannot use external hard drives. But how they get around that so it's not really shitty for customers is they use streaming technology to let you play the game while it's downloading. That way you don't have to wait for it since you have to constantly be deleting games on and off of the device. I don't I just feel like I don't want to I don't want to have to constantly be deleting games on and off of it. I'm kind of already doing that on my PS4. I have a 500 gigabyte hard drive on my PS4. I've never used an external drive and it's been fine. Yeah. Uh, it really has been a problem for me. I keep Red Dead Redemption 2 on there all the time even though the game's over 100 gigabytes just because it's fine. I mean, I definitely did that a lot when I had the 500 gig hard drive, but I've got the terabyte now. But there are so many people, even a, a large percentage of our listeners I know use external storage on like their Xboxes and Playstations. Mm-hmm. Um, that'd be a but huge I think market they do to cut that out. Because it, it's a pain in the ass to download that game. But if you can stream it and it's just, it's playable instantly, even though it might not be at the same quality it'd be when it's actually downloaded to the console. I don't know if it's about pain in the ass to download the game. I think it's about jumping back and forth between things that you have downloaded. Like, I want to be able to leave this and immediately go jump to something else without having to delete the first thing. And then, I mean, I understand. No, they can, they, I understand they that can it can be quickly, it. but it's still so it's you still go to an the extra store, step of deleting something so I can play something else. Even if here's it's how you do it. You go to the store. You say, "Hey, I'm going to buy Halo Infinite," and they say you can't because you got that Forza game on there right now that has the 4K texture packs and that's massive. Do you want to delete that because it's really big, or do you want to delete this game you haven't played in five weeks? And they can just tell you that as soon as you go to start playing Halo. It deletes that off your console instantly. Well, but it'll take some time to delete it. But it's gone, and then you can start playing Halo through streaming while that's deleting and then downloading Halo Infinite. Oh, that just seems inelegant for me. Especially when you live in the... the... I don't think that's inelegant, actually. I mean, think about it. You go to the Xbox store. Well... You, you say, I want to buy Halo. And it says, hey, just one quick prompt before you start playing Halo. Which game do you want to get rid yeah. of? You probably have a game in mind you want to get rid of anyway. It's not usually that hard. I mean, for me, at least, it's not a super hard decision. Especially if I know I can just download it again instantly if I do decide in five seconds I want it back again. Well, think about this, though, Holden. I have a one terabyte limit cap on my monthly internet usage through Comcast. If I'm downloading on the fly 120 gigabyte games like it's nothing, I'm going to hit that cap real quick. I said I I don't know the answer to it. It's, it's I, don't, an I have, problem I have limited I'm... Wi-Fi, so I don't have that that problem. Yeah. Um, I'm curious how many people in America have a data. Cap I think like anyone that, that I has. I really I'm asking because I don't know. I think anyone that has Comcast. I remember we had one with Comcast when we had them for like a month in Chicago. Then we switched to RCN and they were unlimited. But everywhere I've looked at in Chicago that is like major, like AT and T had data caps. Comcast has data caps. Um, I don't know. It's an interesting cool. problem that I hadn't thought about before today. Yeah. Well, we'll probably find out about that stuff. And who knows? It might be the answer we don't want to hear. It could be the answer we want to hear. Who knows? Yeah. Time will tell. Um, cool. So there's a few other things that kind of happened in relation to kind of 
Xbox's future plans or Microsoft's future plans for Xbox. Uh, Phil Spencer was on uh, an interview with Kotaku. Uh, I found a lot of the interview, honestly, to be stuff we already knew about, but there were a few things that were were worth pointing out. Actually, Ryan McCaffrey's IGN article, I think, pointed out the exact, the most important things in the interview perfectly. So good job, Ryan. Um, Here's a quote from Phil Spencer uh, in regards to, basically, you're going into streaming, you're putting your games everywhere. What's what's going on here? Like you you sell consoles, and he says the business. Phil Spencer responded, "The business is selling software and services. The business is not how many consoles you sell. The consoles are not what the um, where the profit um, is in this side of the business. Blah. The consoles are not the profit in this side of the business is made. It's not where the profit in this side of the business is made, which is where the whole who's um, selling more consoles at any time as the kind of root." Um, good of who is doing well in the business is just not true. You have other companies entering gaming who don't even have console as a part of their equation. It's all about how many gamers, I'm uh, sorry, how many games are, um, people are playing and how much people are um, spending playing these games and how often they play. So that's one part of it. Um, he also added later on, there's always that core kind um, that comes back with you're reducing um, the need to buy an Xbox. I actually find in reality people play on a console because they enjoy playing on a television on the couch with a controller in their hands. And it's an experiential thing more than it's trying to sell an individual device. To shorten it, we focus on the player. We don't focus on the device. Um, this is in contrast, as Ryan McCaffrey pointed out, Don Matrick, the former Xbox head, saying, history has shown us that the first company to reach 10 million console sales wins the generational battle. I think Don Matrick is right, but I actually think that Phil Spencer is right as well. Yeah, I think there are two things about this. One is that the gaming landscape is changing. Um, yep. Back before we had services, and it was just games, just software, uh, console sales equal game sales like you had if you wanted 10 million people to play your game you had to sell at least 10 million consoles if sony if microsoft wants to sell 80 million copies of gears of war 5 they used to have to have 80 million xboxes out there playstation could easily do that if it's a stellar game but in in the olden client like the olden climate they couldn't do that it's impossible but now that you do have like game pass for pc and xbox games showing up on switch out of nowhere and suddenly xCloud could be on any of your devices, uh, they're no longer tied to that. So I think this is for the very first time, consoles are not as important. And they're just reiterating that. And consoles have never yeah. been the profit part of it. In fact, most of the time they're sold at a loss. Yeah, except for Nintendo. Yeah. At the beginning, at right. least. Uh, for the fir- this is the first generation where PS4 didn't start selling at a loss. So I, yeah. consoles have never been where the profit was. It's always been software. But until now, software, hardware meant software. Yeah, and, and I think this also ties into, an, an, into streaming as well, where software sales always subsidized the, the, the expense that the company had to put into making the console. And I think that they're hoping, at least, that streaming will do that to a greater extent with the software sales as well, which might be why, because I think everyone's hearing all the specs of, this, of these new consoles coming up and going, oh my gosh, with all those specs, ray tracing and the SSD, these things are going to be so expensive. Maybe they're going to sell it at a bigger loss. Yeah. Because they know they're going to recoup the costs with streaming services for people who didn't even buy the console in the first place. Because yeah. now that's $60 purely just going towards Microsoft and not feeding into the console as much as it had to. Yeah. Because by volume, they just have more that they're selling. 
Yeah. Which means Don Matrick's quote at the time, yeah, was right, too. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Matt Booty, this <laughs> is also in an IGN article, uh, is the head of Microsoft's game studios, uh, talked about Game Pass. And he basically said, uh, Game Pass is the main driver for ensuring a regular release uh, schedule for games every three months because that fits with the the cadence of a gamer's discovery is how we put it. Um, and this is doable with the number of studios Microsoft now has with Xbox Game Studios. Basically, um, three games every single month because they want you to spend time playing a game and then in three months, they kind of find people who are usually ready for the next game. And because now they have all these studios they purchased, they feel like they can meet that goal. And that kind of goes right back into the streaming thing. If they have regular software that's coming out, a, that makes Xbox as a console more appealing, but it also makes services like their streaming service and Game Pass more appealing as well. So again, they're just feeding more money back into services that can subsidize the cost of those consoles. That's interesting. Yeah, so b- big changes. I mean, these are actually really big fundamental changes in how the game industry works. Yeah. What a time to be alive! <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it with Microsoft. Yeah, now we just got to make sure those games that are coming out every three months are good. Yeah, which <laughs> they kind of talked about. <laughs> they talked about that as well, actually, the Kotaku interview. That, uh, yeah, um, they're they're reaching for a higher bar now. Is kind of what Phil Spencer alluded to. You're fucking better. But he never said that they make bad games. He never said that. He was very careful with his words. He was very, very good. Very good. That's it for our main right. quest. We're going to wrap Chad, up with our end game. We've got some stuff to talk about. A couple of things. One, Barf. Backlog accomplishment with Respawn and Friends. This is the game that we play every month alongside you guys. And then we talk about it at the end of the month. That episode is coming very, very soon to ears near you. And it's Borderlands 2. We're going to talk about our experience. We've been playing it online with our Patreon subscribers the last two months. We're going to have... Uh, who are we having on? We're having Alex on. We're not having Dustin email Hill. We're having um, Dallas on as well. They're going to be talking with us. Um, these are all guys who who played with us throughout the month, so we're going to have some discussion about Borderlands 2 with them. Look out for that side quest in your ears very soon. And then, bar for next month, our Patreon subscribers have voted. We gave you a selection of games that Holden's interested in playing, and you have chosen Titanfall 2. So we will be playing that for the month of July. If you have PlayStation Plus and you've had it for I don't know what six months, I think it was a Titan. It was a a PlayStation Plus game like six months ago, maybe November ish. Yep. Yep. Um. So you can play that along with us as well, or you can play it on Xbox, whatever. We will also be continuing our Tuesday night streaming uh, or game, not streaming, but uh, playing along with our Patreon community. So patreon.com slash respawnamefire one dollar lets you play along with us as well, and uh. I don't know if the entire month is going to be Titanfall 2. We'll certainly play some multiplayer with it, but we might switch up the game every Tuesday night, too. I'm hoping for an Overcooked tonight, or a Mario we fucking We've been, been talking about Overcooked for 100,000 years. We better fucking do it. <laughs> Honestly, I think Overcooked just might be a barf game one month. I don't know if it's got that much substance to it for, to be a barf I game. I think it does. If we're, if we're playing it every Tuesday night together for a, for well, a month. Well, we will not be the decider of that. Our patrons at patreon.com slash respawnamefire will. Yes, but we'll put it as an option if you guys want to do it. Next up, talking about Ryan's subscriber interrogatives. I got an interrogative for you. Who are you, Busy Jay? We see you. <laughs> we see you. You've been following us forever 
on SoundCloud and you've been liking every single one of our things that we put out, who are you? I want to know more about you. That's my interrogative this week. I'm inquiring. I'm interrogating you. Reach out to us somehow via email at respawnamefire at gmail.com or on Twitter at respawnamefire or on Instagram at respawnamefire or send me a note at 229. <laughs> oh, I was going to read my whole address. Um, no, who are you? We want to know more about you. Like we interact with people on Twitter all the time, but I don't know. Are you that person? Are you one of those people just under a different name, under a guise, G-U-I-S-E? Who knows? Uh, and thank you for your support. You're great. Next up, we're so fucking humble. This is usually where we take a moment to be humble and let our guests speak about something. But we're going to be humble and say, everybody go congratulate Matt Vieira. I think it's Vieira. Vieira, Vieira. It's Matt from Rhode Island, the space ghost himself. If you go to at Matt from RI on Twitter or Instagram, this motherfucker just got engaged. She said yes. So happy for him. Boom. Congratulations, Matt. Everyone, literally, right now, Instead of going to patreon.com slash responding fire and giving us a dollar, you should go to twitter.com and tweet at Matt from Rhode Island, say congratulations, and put your favorite Star Wars gif in there. I've decided that right now. Put a Star Wars gif in there. <laughs> and then after that, go to patreon.com slash responding fire, give us a dollar. Finally, tonight we're going to wrap up with Game On Game Show. Game Show called Game On on our game show. We're playing a game show on the game. <laughs> We've got. <laughs> uh, oh wait, no, son of a bitch! There's a Raffy results. Raffy results. Yes, last week we talked about our first annual Raffies, the awards we gave out for E3 with Jerrica and uh, Stephen Dutzman. We there were two that we had to tie on that we needed a community's help with to tie break, and well, son of a bitch, you guys failed. Us. <laughs> <laughs> so our first tiebreaker you guys did great we needed to vote for cutest game it was a tie break tie between animal crossing and fall guys and you guys voted for animal crossing see see what i told you holden right people are going fucking gaga over animal crossing so that is officially our winner for the e3 2019 raffi awards and then we had one more uh we had uh we needed the prove it award and the prove it award is which game's promises are you still skeptical about, about until you get your hands on it? Avengers or Watch Dogs Legion? And 28 of you voted, and you guys split it right down the fucking middle. <laughs> so our tiebreaker resulted in a tie, which means we have our first ever double win. So both yeah, Avengers... And we can't even break it ourselves, because we disagree I know, on this Holden one. disagrees with me on it. So, uh, yeah, our Proven Award officially goes to both Marvel's Avengers and Watch Dogs Legion. Actually, I will say this. There will be a winner of Prove It when the games come out and we find out <laughs> That's for ourselves. Right. We'll return to those and find <laughs> out. Now back to Game On Game Show. Blah, 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 son of a bitch. <laughs> this week, we've got a few video game would-you-rathers. I'm going to condense it to three just for time's sake because Holden's tie-tie and it's late. It's time for Betty Bice. Uh Now, I prepared these for last week when I went and saw Toy Story 4, but we it went real late last week, so I spared you guys that. But here's the first one. Toy Story. Would you rather play a Buzz Lightyear third-person Space Ranger game or play an objective-based stealth game where you alternate toys and accomplish tasks without ever being seen by humans? I was literally just thinking about that as a game. Wouldn't that be dope? It would be so dope. 
I feel like the Buzz Lightyear game would be kind of cool for a second, and then you realize it's it's a space game with Buzz Lightyear in it. But that stealth game with the toys and avoiding like big monstrous people that sneaking around and having like play dead and stuff. Oh, like yeah. oh no! All right, Woody has to play dead. All right, now I have to take over Jesse now and instead and head in a certain direction. Like that would be cool. That'd be really. cool. I don't know though, but I, see when I think Buzz Lightyear third person Space Ranger game, I'm thinking like. A slightly dumbed down version of Mass Effect, but Commander Shepard is Buzz Lightyear, and it's also like not serious at all. <laughs> I don't know; it could be serious. That would just be so fucking cool. It's like cheeky serious. Though. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, t- to be fair, the Buzz Lightyear video game does exist within the world. That's right, of Toy Story. And Rex is terrible at it because of his little arms; they can't. Reach. But he beat Zerg at the end in real life. He did. <laughs> I finally defeated Zerg. I beat Algernon. <laughs> <laughs> I I would I prefer third person space ranger mechanics to stealth mechanics. So I would go the Buzz Lightyear out. Also, he's what probably if my favorite Kojima Toy Story made one. like a Metal Gear Solid game featuring Toy Story. Games. I don't know. I still don't know if I'd be as into it. All right. Next up. Would you rather have Keanu Reeves with a robot arm as your best friend, but he has an incurable, terrible B.O. smell? Or you're the space marine that discovers Master Chief floating out in space, and you become best friends and fight aliens together for life? Obviously that one. Why? Because have you ever seen an elite or a grunt up close? Like, literally, your life is in danger at all times. Yeah, but I got Master Chief with me. Yeah, you know how many how you know how many times he dies and respawns in that game. You don't get to respawn in real life. Yeah, I don't like the bo, dude. As <laughs> okay, as I had to live in a in an apartment with someone who had terrible bo for like temporary housing for a good week and a half, and it was the kind of bo where like they leave the room and the whole room's it's like somebody set off a stink bomb. And it was unbearable. Ooh. I wish I would have been killed by a grunt or an elite. So, yeah, I choose the second one. All right. All right. Final one for tonight. Would you rather have Pikmin fingers or Babble boogers? <laughs> Babble boogers. Babble is the Dragon Quest monster uh, that is now called Bubble Slime, but used to be called Babble. Oh. Um, so, wait, one more time. It was Babble. F- Your boogers are Babble. Oh, okay. Which are poisonous slime. Or you have Pikmin for fingers. Now, those Pikmin you also know, come with I... the properties as well, like the fire and the ice. Yeah, that sounds like more beneficial. Like, I'm going to have poison in my nose all the time. Or I can have like little fingers that are useful and have their own special skills. And they also have little hands, which means I just inherited more fingers. <laughs> but you can accidentally set things on fire or freeze them, too. So keep that in mind. That's no, a no, dangerous no, I will game. train them. I will train them. But I don't want to deal with poison boogers, like, in my nose all the time. Mm, no. Well, think about it this way. I mean, like, you only really... They're, they're not like your typical crusty boogers, okay? They're the only the slimy ones, like, when you have a runny nose or, like, you're sick or something like that. Oh, that sounds awful. That did, that did not help the case at all. <laughs> what I'm would st- you do? I'm definitely picking What would you do room. if you blew your nose and there's a giant pile of snot and a little happy face smiling up at you from it? But he's poisonous. He is poisonous, but they're still adorable with a happy face on it. 
totally. But like, I'm constantly poisoning myself because I chose not to have <laughs> awesome Pikmin fingers. <laughs> oh, you're I'm so right. All the way. Pikmin fingers are great. <laughs> but then you would have no excuse when you're walking down the street and some homeless guy asks you, hey, do you have a light? You can't say no. Sorry, I don't smoke. Dude, you you I literally have thrilled. fire pigment fingers. I would be thrilled. Like absolutely, I'll use my pigment fingers to help you light your cigarette. Homeless oh, they're person. so gross. Cigarettes are gross. I didn't touch the pigment. <laughs> <laughs> he is your hand. He's a separate being. Separate being. Ah, uh, babble boogers. I just like saying babble. Would you rather have pigment fingers or babble boogers? <laughs> I mean, the babble boogers is is just funner to say for it sure. Is. But then when you have to tell people, oh, what's wrong? You'd be like, I got babble boogers. <laughs> that might be our tougher one. But if you're like, hey, love your fingers. Those are awesome Pikmin. That's a much, it seems much more, that's going to happen. That's definitely going <laughs> to happen. That's going to happen. People are going to compliment me on my Pikmin fingers everywhere. <laughs> you have beautiful Pikmin fingers. Why, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the Seinfeld episode. Have you done hand modeling before? Not familiar. But that wraps you don't up. Watch Seinfeld? No, I fucking hate Seinfeld. Ugh. Hate it. What? Hate Seinfeld. Oh, I did not know that, Chad. I can't. Oh no, we've definitely had this conversation years. before. Have we? Yeah. I don't know. I, maybe I erased it from my memory because it's a traumatic yeah. experience. <laughs> that's it for Game on Game Show, and that's it for our episode. If you would like to ask a, a question or share your thoughts, please contact us at Respawning Fire on social media. Or email us at respawnamefire at gmail.com. If you want to play with us on game night each Tuesday, that includes tonight, if you're listening to this right off the bat. Uh, we're beating Borderlands 2. We're doing the last two missions. Hopefully together, pending our internet here at my hotel. If not, it'll just be you guys withholding. Um, but yeah, you can be a, a, a subscriber. You also get cool-ass wallpaper. This month is dropping in just a couple of days. And it is for all y'all who are getting hype as fuck for dark mode and iOS 13. It is a sick neon uh, RAF wallpaper. It's going to be so great. Yeah, I've seen it. It's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. And you get the chance to vote on our barf game. Our patrons voted for Titanfall 2. But if you want to see your game and your idea represented and what we play so you can get your opinion heard, throw us a dollar on patreon.com slash fire. That's it, everybody. Thank you for listening. Until next week. Here's our usual sign-off. Chocolate, chocolate, chocolate! Ack! <laughs> <laughs>